ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake and I'm joined in the Zoom studio by Sambo and Johnny, John Dog. How are we chaps? Fantastic. Very, very fucking good. Fucking fantastic too. How are you, Jake? How are you, Chad? Also fucking fantastic. Thanks. Fucking tremendous. Look, look at this. Look at this. Here we go. What's this? What's Here this? we go. What's this? Don't Here you feel go. like the, the podcast is in good shape, like heading into finals? Like, I feel like any sort of, you know, lagging form or anything, like we're building nicely three weeks out yep. from when it all feel counts. Like we're, we're pod's in good shape. We're sharp. We're on to the point. Got, got the COVID out the way, so that's nice. That's all. Yeah, the, uh, except J- uh, yeah. Knock on wood. Knock Mish. on wood. No. I'm still in no, negative. So two of us have knocked off COVID. But Jake seems to be cruising past all those. That's blocking them. No, it's like um, Paddy Dangerfield on the weekend just shrugging that COVID off like it's just shirt, shirt fronting that Rona to the ground. So I feel like, you know, it's it's good. You lads have both done your time in the health and safety protocols. You've emerged. You both, you know, you've, you've got that out the way. I'm still clinging on here. Um, uh, lots to talk about, chaps. Lots to talk about on the Riz, show. As uh, always. Specifically about the cats and the dogs. Uh, but before we get into it, just wanted to say a massive... Thanks to all our listeners. We've smashed past 500 followers on Twitter. The numbers on uh, the podcast listening continue to go through the roof. We've had back-to-back. I mean, this is the flagship show. The recap show is is the meat of the Chaps Chat Cats meal. And we've smashed back-to-back weeks the record for our most listened shows. So if you're enjoying it, make sure... If we can ask this of you, go and give us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, consider sharing us with one of your friends, one of your foes, one of your family. Share the word of the chaps. That's all I wanted to say. Um, anything you, you would like. That's right. We need to give that giveaway. We've been teasing a giveaway for about 18 months. Probably about time to give away the book because we've shot past... Oh, John, we've we've got over double digits in both on both Spotify and Apple oh, Podcasts. Shit. It's time to give away. Well, we better we, we better give away this book. We better uh, organize a hat and some names in the hat, and then maybe maybe we should do it at the preview mm, preview hey, pod this week. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. If you've given us a five star review, screenshot it, put it on Twitter, and go, "Hey, I've given my five star review." And we'll put you in the draw to win. I think we can put you in the draw to win the book Comeback by James Button. Uh, but we can also put you in the draw. I've got some throwback footy cards um, from in the sort of that 2010 era cats, I believe. 2009, 2010. I can't remember the exact year. Um, we'll throw in some of those as well. Some pack. I've got unopened packs of footy cards. Retro footy cards there. Retro. Just 10 years. Maybe it retro. could be know. worth up, upwards of... Three dollars each. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, maybe with this uh, fantastic uh, award on the line, maybe we should, maybe we should uh, stretch it out to next week's recap. Give people the uh, the chance to actually. That's a good idea. Chuck That's their review idea. on the on the Twitter instead of a, just a few days. A week. A whole week. Wow, give us yeah. a whole week. This launches, exactly. I guess, tomorrow. So <laughs> That's <gets> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, give us that five-star review. Screenshot it. Put it on Twitter. You can do that even if you've already done a five-star review. Go on and take a pick of your five stars and give it to us on Twitter. Or we'll put you in the draw to win some shit. All right. Speaking of the shit, uh, Saturday night, the Cats played the Dogs down at Cadinia Park. Um Joel Selwood's oh. 350th game, massive occasion. And it was the Dogs who got out to a hot start. They led 27-8 to eight at quarter time. They scored the first four goals of the game before Paddy Dangerfield put one through the big sticks in response. But wasn't panic stations. Didn't look like the Cats were panicked, despite the Dogs, you know, clearly having the better of the opening term. There was a bit of text messaging back and forth, you know, 
I was pretty confident the Cats could turn around. That's exactly what they did. They slowly wrestled the game back on their terms. They won the second quarter, three goals to two. And then, chaps, an orgy of footballing violence, um, as not seen, perhaps, since 2007 in the third quarter. As the Cats pile on eight goals to, to three behinds, an LSD trip of Geelong Cats, goodness playing the game as it should be played. Saw out the final quarter. Um, 94 to 66 winners. And really that scoreline probably flattered the uh, the doggies a little bit, I would have said, 28 points. Mm. Given I felt like Geelong really eased off on the gas uh, in that final term. Um, and the dogs too probably fought back bit of pride on the line and that sort of thing. Um, I went to Johnny first last week. I got a Sambo first this week. What were your thoughts on the game? Just one one quick thing. I, no, John, it's my turn to speak. I'm sorry. I'm just, I've just, I've just got to get this out of the way. I was, I was looking at your shirt, and I thought that you had a number eight printed on your shirt for some reason and like a, like a walkie-talkie next to it. And then I realized... <laughs> Not on your shirt. It's just in very close to your camera. I oh, think it's the, the top of the tripod. Tripod, yes. This bit, yes. I'm very glad we cleared that <laughs> up. Like, is that I'm an glad eight? we cleared it up. I, I get it. It's like kind of like on a like a like a like a Letterman Jack or something like yes. the 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 angular angular typeface. And I was just in that perfect spot where you're sitting, where it's like center of your chest. Walkie-talkie next to it. Like, what is moves, Sam wearing? Moves in, independently of me. It's it's a holographic <laughs> shirt. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. We, we... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, we've we've got to the bottom of that. Um, so good on us. <laughs> <laughs> you can just blame me. You can say, like, oh, I will. I don't think anyone needs me to. I think we all heard <laughs> it. it was... <laughs> Um, it was a, it was a good, good game. Yeah. I was, I was, I was pretty Zen in that first quarter. You know, I had expected the dogs to come really hard. Um, I think I'd been saying it for weeks. I think we'd all been saying it for weeks. You know, it's, it's, we've certainly known that this would be an important game for the dogs for probably a couple of months at this point, I guess, even when their form was, you know, pretty good they were just in that pocket where you knew they were going to need to win some of these big games. They match up pretty well against us. We've seen some really intense, intense games. Um, and we were, we were in the driver's seat to win or lose that game. And I felt like there was a potential being a milestone game, top of the ladder, just looking to lock up top four spot, not necessarily, you know, season on the line kind of stuff. I just felt like we could be sleepy and a, and a bit, a bit off, off, off color all night, but um, you know, luckily it was really just that first quarter. So I, I was pretty, I was pretty zen about it. Um, the dogs did play well too. I don't think it was just us being shit. <laughs> I think we were, I think we were pretty shit in that first quarter. But I think the dogs did bring the heat. Um, and some of their ball movement was pretty elite. Like there just wasn't a fumble or a miss kick from them in that first quarter. It was like. It was just like like chess, and we were like very very slow chess pieces that they were moving around. <laughs> mm. um, so you know, credit to the dogs for 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 bringing bringing the hurt early on. Um, but yeah, it didn't didn't stress me too much um, at the time, especially with, I guess the the encourage the thing that I liked about the way we got the game back on our terms was that it wasn't a momentum shift. It wasn't. You know, I know we wrestled momentum back, and that's kind of what people the, the you know the the buzzword being used about it. But it was it was more than that to me. It was that they had us in the first quarter, and they had the momentum. But it wasn't just a swing, and then we kicked a heap of goals, and then it was unsustainable because you couldn't you can't sustain momentum for three quarters, four quarters. And I, I felt like you're gonna bring it up was the a much word? more. Well, uh, that's certainly part of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only part of it. the the c word is part of it as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I was, <laughs> was going to bring that up. All, it's all it's a it's a just a, a homogenous orgy ecosystem of of buzzwords. It was synergy. It was, <laughs> it was 
it was teamwork, it was positivity. Um, yeah, look, I think I think uh, structurally certainly, but I think the way we played, our mentality, um, our uh, positioning, and um, uh, uh, tactics is a very basic word, but it's the only one that's coming to mind for uh, for now. That we just sort of suffocated them. We just took the game back off them and it was in this very methodical way it wasn't we didn't just come out and blitz them in that second quarter we really like asserted ourselves back into the game we tested some things out we moved some things around we like we pushed them and just enough to see what their answer would be do you know what i mean we didn't overreach so that when they came back we were then stunned for a quarter and then they were stunned for a quarter so it was a it was this really just gratifying dominance that i felt like we were able just to to sort of restrict them and frustrate the absolute fuck out of them. So yeah, I, I, it was a really, really fucking encouraging kind of, kind of win. As you said, there was some, some junk time goals at the end, but um, you know, percentage is going to be pretty vital for the dogs. So I'm not surprised that they were pretty hungry for some, for some uh, extra <laughs> percentage in the, in the final minutes. I think it's that's the one thing that stood out to me the most in that game was so I shared it with you Sam looking at stats at quarter time the dogs were smashing us in casting every single um, stat you could have uh, except for hit outs and disposable efficiency and I think at the end of the third cats were just dominating every single stat including hit outs and it was just that is such a amazing thing to turn around in two quarters to turn the stats on the head like they did through the structure and culture, it was just yeah, a really just yeah, amazing, amazing to watch that just uh, play out over the over the over that um second quarter. Watching them just seems to just strangle them, suffocate them, not let them get that ball moving, and then just blitz them in that third it was it was very satisfying to experience that. And to see it happen in this, see that dominance in the first quarter by the Bulldogs, and see how the cats just slowly, as I think you put it in the Twitter image, it's like a boa constrictor, just slowly, slowly strangle the opponent until they just can't do anything, and then you just kill them. Well, that's the thing, you know, the the anaconda sort of like analogy and that's all the, you know, the, the boa constrictor, like it's like strangle, strangle and then strike. And that's what that third quarter was, you know, they, not going to lie, they had us in the first quarter. But after that, I really felt really? like Geelong got the coils around them. I was also thought about, you know, like, you know, the, the arm wrestle analogy. You know, there's always someone in an arm wrestle, they go out hard to start with and you're like, oh, they're going to win it quickly. And then no... The opponent gets it back to 50-50 and then it's it's inevitable from there. The other the other um, combatant has actually exerted themselves already for that initial push. And that's kind of what it felt like to me. There's a story about a turtle and a hare somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's sort of right. like um, one opposition needs to get out there and do as much damage as possible, as quickly as possible. It looks like the Bulldogs were going to do that. They were going to come out and get as many goals as they could against us. But there was one one man in the way in the back line that came back. And I think it was that Tom Stewart. I think they may have got a few more goals. Mm. But I also think with Tom Stewart back there, the defense, defensive team looked far more settled. They looked far more controlled, even when it was really hectic for them. They still looked like they were in control and knew what they were doing. I think that was because Tom Stewart was back and being the general and you know, relieving a lot of pressure. I, I will say though, speaking of the S-word, our structure in the back was pretty piss poor in the first quarter. Yes. The, amount of, the amount of fucking unmarked bulldogs <laughs> that took took marks and just waltzed in was um, yeah, that was, and that's one of the reasons why I wasn't too worried either because there was the problems we had in the first quarter were big problems. So they were, you know, they should be things that are obvious to fix. Sometimes when it's these intangible things and you're just like, how are they doing this? Whereas this one, there was, there was a lot of things that was just, that we were doing pretty poorly um, for that whole first quarter. I, I thought too, like, you know, there's always this sort of push and pull 
in terms of game analysis between like you know statistical structural stuff and then those sort of more esoteric things like momentum and um Ooh, you know have, having epic. having the upper hand you yeah, know in the game fancy work. emotionally blah 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 and it's like i thought there were some pretty obvious structural things that the dogs were doing really well to put us under threat like the way that they would change the angle of attack i thought was so obvious in that first quarter like setting up like you're gonna go down you know a wing and then you know a hand pass and a kick back across and suddenly you're attacking the cats you know down the far side or up the middle instead of down the left and and that was when you had you know a few times where i was just like sitting at work and i had it on a sort of a, a secondary screen and i was going almost it was almost there was some times where dogs fords were laughably open sort of thing mm. like it as you said it was so obviously wrong that you know a coaching staff and a playing group with as much experience and understanding as scott and the cats you knew that they were going to figure it out because it was so glaringly fucked sort of thing that was like yeah. oh okay this is you know where we like, need to adjust the amount of it was like comic book or like a kid's cartoon the amount of times that they fake fainted a kick and then changed direction and our defenders yeah. did like the big swing to like yeah. smother the ball and just completely it was like, like at this point yeah you were kind of like we should be figuring this out because they're literally doing it every time they've got the ball yeah. <laughs> we're falling for it every, every fucking time yeah absolutely yeah it's crazy but um they turned it around in that second quarter pretty quick they did pretty much straight away and I, I still, I think it was the third quarter or, yeah, the third quarter. I still remember there was one shot I was from the construction and I was looking down the ground and the Bulldogs had it. And I think they just switched. And all you could see up the field was just three lines of cats all just swinging into position perfectly. And then I think it was switched back over. And then all you saw again was the cats moving as one. You know the cats are on song when they can just slowly jog into position and the opposition has no idea where they have to go or where they can go. Yeah, and and I think that, um, you know, part of that too was the first quarter I thought that, you know, I'm not saying there wasn't effort there, but it felt like we got a little bit outworked through the midfield um, like it was coming out of there too quickly. Like even if you're going to lose a clearance situation, you don't want it coming out swiftly. You Okay, you might lose, but then you want to put pressure on to delay, you know, how quickly they can turn that 50-50 that scenario into an attack for them. And I think that's once the Cats, you know, had sort of evened that up a bit, well, then you're really behind the eight ball as the opposition because we know how disciplined Geelong is if they have even a little bit of time to get that defensive structure set up. And I just thought, and that was the second quarter, Johnny, I'm pretty sure when you saw that flood of Cats players. It might have been the second and the third. Actually, no, yeah, no, you're right. It was the the third quarter is the one I'm thinking of anyway. They had it on the the broadcast wing and they're trying to find an angle of attack. You just see everyone trotting back. But I thought you started to see more of that in the second, because I thought you saw the pressure yeah, go up in that second quarter, which then delays yeah, the attack. It was attack. like Sam said, it was just that gradual um, progression throughout that second quarter where we just you know, got the structure going, got the the game back on our terms in that third, second quarter before you know the strike happened. And the, and this is what I was talking about maybe last week. Uh, recap or the one before in terms of why I I do harp on about structure a little bit because it makes it makes putting teams under pressure easier because you think about pressure as like oh like fevered energy high energy quick steps running you know gut bustingly fast but if your structure is good and your structure is nimble enough to move on a dime when it needs to move you don't need you don't need to go that hard to put them under pressure because you're there already. You've just you've just got to tackle or lay a tackle or, or you know, shepherd or whatever whatever the the scenario is. And I think that that's something the cats have really figured out across the year. We went from our sort of pretty slow, deliberate play last year to the start of this year. It was high energy, but there was 
it was very costly. That's why we kept fading, I think, in the third quarter because we were like putting so much fucking effort into this high pressure game style. Um, whereas now we've figured out how to keep the, the opposition under pressure, but without pressuring ourselves because we, we're doing it before we need to. We're doing, we're doing it. We're reading the game. We're, we're ahead of it by a second or two. Yeah, and being a kicker in that situation where you look up the ground and you can see your teammates, but all you see behind them are opposition team players. You go, this kick has to be perfect straight to them. It can't be a floater. It can't be low. It has to go straight to them so they can't get it they can't spoil it because if they spoil it there's going to be two of them they're going to get it it's going to be a, most likely a goal or turnover so you look at it as the opposition you just think i can't go down that way the risk is too great let's just switch back have it give it get it back to the guy give gave it to me see if he can work this out and yeah the, the pressure like you said sam is just it's just there constantly and you can feel it um, well, as, the, an op- as an opposition to you just feel that pressure of every kick has to be spot on, otherwise they're on us. And, and I thought there were some good examples to watching, um, you know, w- when you don't just look at the player, say, who has the ball, but you look at what's ahead of them or what's around them. And I thought there were lots of instances, particularly after that first quarter, where you could just, you just see Geelong players they're, they're not sprint running to close people down. They're just setting up so that they can get just someone. Shifting. Yes. And shifting responsibilities. I feel, feel like you can see them often, you know, when they're really on communicating of like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm breaking off this chase. You come up and go to him. I'm going to fall back onto your player. And you can just see guys sort of coming in and out um, of that sort like- of zone where the, where, the, where the ball carrier is. Um, just looking at Atkins, Close, Myers, and Stengel combined for 91 pressure acts on the night, which was 30% of Geelong's total. So that they've, you know, got near enough to a third of Geelong's total pressure acts on the night. What do you think of, uh, I mean, talk about any of them, but I was interested particularly in Grian Myers because obviously a much maligned kind of player down at the Cats. I've had my own doubts about him. And I suppose, I I think maybe with Stengel in the side too, I don't, I don't have this expectation anymore that Grian Myers, and maybe I had the wrong expectations of the kind of player he should be. You know, that, oh, we need, you know, we need Myers to, you know, get that 25 goals a season, you know, high pressure, small forward. That's not really what he's in the side for. I think they like his hard work. You know, he's a good mark for his size. He's, he's a willing pressurer. Um, are you sort of, you know, happy with where he's at and where all these guys are at, those smaller kind of mids and forwards for the Cats? Definitely. I was also in the same boat as you as probably thinking that Brian wasn't doing enough for the team. I think a lot of fans would be guilty of that as well. Like thinking that he should be doing a whole lot more than what he, what he is at the moment, but what he's doing at the moment is fantastic. I think he's doing a really good job. He's playing consistently every single week. He's getting a goal here and there every single week, um, which is what you want. He gets in really good positions as well. Um, in the forward line and you know the work he does with close and stengel and um Holmes, you know it's fantastic they've got a really good chemistry it's like having you know got the big the big three rowan hawkins and cameron who work really well together and then you've got the other threat of close stengel and grind myers who also work extremely well together so it's yeah, I think he's basically cemented his spot in the best twenty-two after the last few weeks, and yeah, I think we can all take a step back and just enjoy what he's doing because what he's doing is is really good and yeah, put less pressure on him to do amazing things, which he may not be able to do. He just you know might not be able to do the incredible things, but just do those one percenters, the pressures, take marks, the goal, you know. That's what you want the small board to do. 
Yeah, I, I agree with all those points. I think it's I think in another team you might look at someone like Ryan Myers and have all this expectation. You don't know. I think we were I think in the past we've been viewing some of these players as you know, through the lens of, of the old the old the old ways of football. But this is this is the new world of football, what what the cats have are, are doing, you know, the way they're operating, the way that the the club works, the way they draft and recruit. Um and to a certain degree, it's a bit of a money ball scenario. Do you know what I mean? Like if you if you want to like, if you could come up with some kind of like specific output, number output you need from your, from your players collectively, you know, it's like, oh, we need a hundred, a hundred, whatever, a hundred output. Mm. You know what I mean? A lot of teams would have their player that gives them 30 or 40. You know what I mean? Like if you look at Richmond, you're like, well, Dusty Martin for so long equated 30 or something of this you know, weird output, kind of their overall output. So other players just had to make up the remainder. Mm. Whereas I think in Geelong, we have a lot of players all putting out a consistent small rep. We don't have a Dusty Martin. We don't have one player that's just holding the rest of the team up. And so I think Myers is delivering on that. I think he, I think, I think we were maybe missing some of this, missing the role that he was playing and being a little harsh. But I think also he's slightly different now. Like, I think he's, he is playing better. I don't think we're suddenly going, oh, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? we, were, we were right for how he was playing and how we were looking at it. But if you're just looking at the, the sort of the specific area that he needs to impact and the specific things he needs to do, I think he, he does do them and he's doing them particularly well at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's locked his spot. And that was a, it was a fucking beautiful goal. Oh. Like I, I, I no way expected him to kick that and, and wouldn't have been angry if he'd missed it. It yeah. would kind of be like, ah, well, you know, like I kind of feel like all talk of his kicking technique kind of goes out the window. If you can use a weird kicking technique and achieve that, then no issues. No issue. And some of the passes he's done under pressure with that kicking action have been perfect as well. So. Yeah, and I think maybe confidence is the big thing we're seeing with that because you see sometimes when you see bad him, he has done bad, choppy, short, low passes, and now you look back and you kind of go, maybe it's not really necessarily been about his t- kicking technique. It's been about his confidence and his mentality, and he's doing them under pressure, not just from the opposition, but from himself. You know, then that <laughs> we're in your mind overthinking stuff, going, "Oh shit, I've got to make this kick work." Um, whereas now he's kind of just clicked in as has most of the squad and you can, it's a clarity of purpose that I think he has and he's, he's able to achieve that purpose because he knows what it is and he's just playing within his, within himself, within his confines. And that's an effective player. Talking about clarity of, um, consequence was Zach Guthrie's kick to Brad Close. Mm. That was just a beautiful. Beautiful, perfectly weighted kick, and tell you what, that uh, I loved seeing that. I've, I think I've watched that replay two or three times. Zach Guthrie running tight on that boundary, a couple of bulldogs next to him, and he's just put out this ridiculous kick over another couple of bulldogs right into Brad Close's arms. Didn't even have to stop um, stop his stride, did he? Just ran into an open goal. That was, I thought yeah, that was, was one of the best plays of the night. Well, it's, it was nice to have a look too, um, and just to close out on on Myers, he went at eighty five percent disposal efficiency, seventy five percent by foot, which put him firmly in the top half of Geelong's, um, you know, dispose a kicking efficiency um, on the night, which was nice to see. Um, I was just looking at the goal assists though. Max Holmes three goal assists. Brad Holmes, Close so good. Two Myers, two Zach Guthrie, one um, Tyson Stengel, one. So we got there one, two, four, six, nine. Nine of Geelong's fourteen goals were assisted by that young group: Holmes, Close, Myers, Stengel, Zach Guthrie. Uh, had had just direct disposal that's that led to the goal. Too old, too slow. That's 
That's right, John. Too old, too slow. Well, and the old boys did all right too. Hawkins had a had a goal right. assist. Isaac Smith had a goal assist. Tommy Stewart, um, getting into the you know the the older players now, they all had a goal assist as well. Um, got to talk Hawkey about four goals Dan- in the end, couldn't he? Hawkey. Hawk, yeah, yeah well, he, he got Hawk, two goals, Hawk, three, and set about, one up. He should have kicked about six, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, that, yeah. one, that one over the top where he turned oh. and just... <laughs> do, you reckon, do you reckon he was trying to outdo Cameron's um, blunder? Miss, yeah. Going, I can do up, up you in this blunder. <laughs> he, he didn't, he didn't. But the only the only way that that kick, that kick was worse than the Cameron one was because the play leading up to it was so good and that he wasted it. Like that's what the commentary team was saying. (laughs) Like that would have been goal of the year and he he fucking muffed it. Well, and you know, he had the perfect opportunity after Eddie Betts taught them how to kick goal of the year. That's right. That was his time. Yeah. He wasn't able to do it. What a shame. Um, Got to talk about Patrick Dangerfield. Um, because I feel like I he's a dude do. that often comes up on the show because we're disappointed in output or whatever, because, you know, he has a big reputation and he puts himself out there as one of those superstar players at the comp, um, brought it in spades. I thought, particularly when Geelong were in the process of turning the match and then, you know, really ramped it up in the third quarter, he has a goal, um, 26 touches, four marks, two tackles, seven clearances, 537 meters gained, which was the most for the Cats. They rotated their midfield well, actually, as a side note. Dangerfield, 63% uh, time on ground. Atkins, 63% time on ground. Selwood, 67% time on ground. So those, like, sort of, you know, guys who are doing the work inside um, really, you know, got good rotation. But Dangerfield, um, as I said, just his his stats there, uh, seven score involvement, six inside 50s. Six inside 50s was the most for the Cats. Ten contested possessions, which was second most, uh, third most for the Cats. Um, and in terms of his pressure, 17 pressure acts as well. Um, seven of those in the defensive half. Like, he really brought it. And, and like, I feel like if you're looking for one clip to me that defines Dangerfield at his absolute best, the thing he does that excites me was that one where at the center square, he smothers a kick, gets up, keeps running, and literally just like bulldozes through, I think it was Caleb Daniel. Like like he's a human missile when he gets going, mm. Sambo. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I also like the one where he smothered the ball with his face. Uh, <laughs> it's really you know you, you, using everything at your disposal so um i love an industrious player um yeah look that's that's what you need him to bring and 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 look if you got to carry him through the home and away season but he'll step up at the end and, and bring that in finals i think it's worth it you know because we've got some other players that play really well in the home and away and not so much finals and that's kind of what i feel like happened with with uh, big P Diddy here. Like I think he's stepping up. I, I think he's step stepping up in the in the big moments. There's a fi- finals like game, and I think he's you know this rest has really put him in good stead to um to bring the heat in the finals because that's let's face it that is when some of the inexperienced players might need a little leadership is when when it comes to crunch time. Um, yeah, no, he was he was he was, he was almost faultless, almost faultless. Took him a little while. I felt like in the first quarter and a little in the second, his his decision making was a little little shonky. He 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 tried to do it all himself or took yeah. some took some some passing options that maybe weren't the obvious one to go for there. But um, once he got into the zone, he was he was unstoppable. You can certainly see it. I it reminded me why he is the name he is because you often go everyone just wants to talk about Patrick Dangerfield. Like we've got so many good players on this team. But you know, if he was doing that every week, he he would be you know in Brownlow talks every season. You know, like that was, yeah, such a such a strong performance, such a committed performance. And I think I think the the impact and effectiveness of his touches is the big thing. We know he can get his hand to the ball. We know he can pick it up. But it wasn't it wasn't 
quantity this time. It was, I mean, it was quantity, but they were they were quality as well. You know, most of the times when he got it, it really gave gave the rest of the squad a look in in some way, and that's you know mm. that's it's what you it's sort of all we can ask for him, but to a degree with his reputation and his, his, you know, the, the money we pay, pay, pay out to him and such like that is to a degree what I expect him to bring. So it was really, yeah, it was really good to see that he's, he's not a shadow of himself. It's still, it's still there. Yeah. It was fantastic. Couldn't agree more. Um, absolutely hundred percent agree with all of that there. And I don't think I've seen James field look that laser focused in a game quite a while or you every time you like especially that second you know in towards, towards the end of that second and started the third and the whole third quarter all you could see in his eyes was ball i get that ball was in my get the fuck out and it didn't have to be pretty either sometimes he, yeah, he no. wants everything to be pretty and special but it didn't have to be he was he was willing to do the ugly work as well and it was just you know that's what you want from him and that's what you want from um, Dangerfield and also Tom Atkins. You see Tom Atkins do that. So I think Dangerfield's gone. Hey, this young kid's showing me up a bit. <laughs> I need to get in there and help him out because he can't do it all the time. And I thought, yeah, it was just a fan. fantastic game by Dangerfield. I, yeah, super happy. So glad to see this Dangerfield back and hopefully it does flow on into the finals and the rest of the season because. As many people in the media are saying, if he does keep this out, keep this up, watch out, because he's going to be well, unstoppable. It, it, it's like, you know, you I said, it doesn't matter who's in his way. I don't think he sees anyone in his way when he's in that mm. zone. He he runs like there's, he, all he sees is the ball. He doesn't actually see any of the other players. He's that level of kamikaze when he's really going. Like, I remember watching him when he was over at the Crows and early days for Geelong, like that was how he played as if he could literally just run straight through people that, that footy is mine. Um, I think he's best when he trusts his instinct, even if that means occasionally things fuck up with a, a chaos kick or whatever. I think it's actually that level of chaos and, and you know, gaining that, you know, meterage down the ground because we have the players now in close, in Stengel, in Atkins, um, in Myers, who can swing that chaos our way. Once we create that sort of dirty situation where the funnel it, yeah, when the when the play is in flux and we're trying to break that sort of dirty ball our way, we've got the players now. Whereas in the past we didn't. I felt that was an area of Richmond outgunned us in that stretch where Richmond won the three flags. We've got those guys now. And so I think danger, if he plays on instinct, is more dangerous and more of a weapon than ever. Just don't overthink it. See ball, get ball, and get it going our way. That's kind of what, like, that. that's the ultimate danger performance for me. Absolutely. Because um, when he does get ball and passes it to the outside, you've got, you've either got Selwood or Guthrie, or Atkins or Holmes, who are going to collect it, and all three of them are brilliant kicks now. Like Holmes kicking has, you know, skyrocketed from last year. Atkins is, you know, skyrocketed as well. Guthrie's um, always been a fantastic kick, along with Selwood. Selwood's probably closest to one of our best kicks in the game. Um, so yeah, when you when you got those four guys there, ready to get it. Once Dangerfield's got it out to them, it's as you saw in that third, as we saw in that third quarter, it's nearly unstoppable. We're not going to get to everyone, obviously. Like, there's just there's so many storylines to talk about. You feel like you need to do about four podcasts a week to get to get to everything you want to talk about. Like, I thought Blixarbs was like immense. Like, he bullies midfielders. Like, he's just so big and strong that even the biggest, strongest well, I- midfielders. Like you've got a guy who can play ruck, playing midfield. Um, what I know, really this... loved about Blitz's game was how dominant the bond was in that first quarter. It was just everywhere, mm-hmm. and then about I think it was about halfway through that second quarter, it was yeah. Blitz obviously did his homework. 
learnt from the first quarter and went to work and I think Don was hardly sighted after that. I think I think they um I think he got injured as well. So I think that might have He sorry, did. That that wasn't until the that wasn't until like the end of the third quarter though, was right. it? I, I yeah. think I think it was much later. Um but I think they must have streamlined Blix's um job a little bit because in the first quarter he was he was doing about four different things. He was mm. he was starting on Bond in the um at the, at the at the ball up and then I think he was also then moving to maybe even being Libra or someone. I remember they were yeah. talking about at quarter time how he was in so charge of basically four things and he wasn't yeah. doing any of them. And I, I think I reckon what they did is just went, ah, oh, no, you just you just stick with Bond. Um and he did and, and he um yeah, he, he crushed it. He That's was playing on Tim English. Um, when when the ball went inside the cat's defensive fifty, mm. um, you know he, he English often you know floats around, you know to be that wall if the cat's trying to kick it out, and and I think it was Blixarves who had that role as well. So like you said, he was he's wearing a lot of hats, and they probably just said like you said, hey, let's take a couple off. Um, just another, let's do like a quick just emptying of the notebook because we're at about forty minutes, so. Um, I want to get to some votes shortly. I thought Brandon Parfit, great to see him back in the hoops. Didn't play a heap of game time. But actually, I thought you could see straight away how desperate he was to make an immediate impact because you can feel that pressure for spots as we as we head for finals time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Immediate impact, I felt. He just went out there, knew what he needed to do. was like, I think it would be... The player he is, like he has been for us when he was playing, he was that tackling guy, high pressure guy. Um, you know, sort of like Dangerfield, see ball, go get ball, tackle whoever gets it first. And I think when you get in, go on to the ground when he did, and you have still have that wave of just, you know, energy going through the team, get tackling, tackling. It was probably a really perfect time for him to come back in and just get that feel the game again and I thought that it was really really solid first outing. Yeah, I think I think they they mentioned that his fitness maybe wasn't quite where they wanted it to be. Like he hadn't played um as much. And I think you could tell that. I think his his dash and bash was not quite up to par. But I think I think that John said there's a bit he's a bit like Dangerfield. But the thing that I actually think he has over Dangerfield is if he's not bashing and dashing he actually has a really fucking solid set of fundamentals mm. to fall back on yeah. that it doesn't have to all be running at full speed and smashing into the, into the 50. He can take a, a, a normal mark and do a normal kick and hit the target 99% of the time, which no shade, but I don't think Dangerfield is as strong at. Like I think, I think you want Dangerfield in those high intensity, high pressure moments, but Parford's, He's also just a really fucking good footballer underneath that sort of more physical element. So that was, that was, and that was the element that I think we really saw on display too, that he just, you know, he just, he didn't look like he hadn't played football in a while. He looked, you know, he looked laser focused on, on the, the effectiveness of his output. Um, anyone want to, anyone have some thoughts or I can throw some quick hit topics out to you? Anyone else? Uh, well, um, I'm, I'm assuming you'd bring it up, but what what was everyone's thoughts on Segler? Um, oh. Yeah, good, good, uh, solid first outing. Um, a bit of a, you know, as uh, as the whole team, a bit of a rough start, but I feel like he slotted in pretty well and seemed to, you know, work well in that rough position with the midfield. And I think, I think once Stanley's ready to go, I think Stanley will come back in, but. Just knowing that we do have a, a solid backup ruck option now is really good, and it means Blitz can still do what he does every week without having to row that rucking the whole time. So yeah, I feel like it was a good, a good start. That would have been my take too. Is is just that that I'm glad we have Segler because I feel like Big Rat um, Asava Radigale is still working on that ruck craft, I think Segler turns up and from bounce one, you go, oh yeah, he's a ruckman. Like that's his speciality. Yeah. And it, and it frees Blixarves up. Didn't love the, the cheap hit on Cody Waitman. Um, you know, 
thought that was a bit of a, you know, that doesn't have to define his night, but I thought it was pretty poor. That's just um, the, um, that's just the old scum in him sort of resident <laughs> still hanging right. around. And, and honestly, 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 that's the one thing I would say. Like, I think I'm probably slightly less positive on him than you guys, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm happy. To, I hope he proves me wrong at some top point too. Um, but he just, there was a, there was an intangible thing where I was like, he just doesn't feel like a cat. You know what I mean? Like these, like Smith came in, and you're like, he's just a cat. Like he's just, yeah. he should have been here all along. Um, Stengel, Stengel comes in and just feels like a like a Geelong cat. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. I don't, he just, he just had a, had a like just a slight touch too much of the mongrel in him or something. I don't know. <laughs> just... Also, I think the the one thing that helped Smith was that he also kicked the winning goal against Brisbane. I think that helped Smith just cross that threshold even for sure but but just just like yeah, just like vibe wise like vibe wise he definitely yeah. felt like a cat but then yeah. that brisbane goal was just like yeah he's yeah he's his, his impact his impact was immediate and i think i think yeah i think seg was a really good ruckman it's weird having such a traditional ruckman yeah he's like as well. and he and he looked kind of like ottens from from the from the from a distance and i kept having fucking flashbacks oh, um man. but yeah look or i didn't flashbacks yeah, I wish it was Ottens, but yeah, I, no, I don't want to. I don't want to be negative on Seglin and, and hate on him, but I just, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It felt like a player from another team with a Cats jersey on, as opposed to some of the other ones that just like or Cameron. Cameron just slotted straight in, like not talking about his effectiveness or his output, just, just a a feel, just a, just a feel, <laughs> it's a vibe of the thing. So I'll just, it'll be interested to see if if Seglin gets a good run and a bit of game time. Does that like? Is it just me being funny or is it, or is there like a thing to that? Well, I will say that um, I'm pretty sure Brad Ottens is down at the Cadets um, teaching ruck craft to all the aspiring ruckmen. So maybe Segler's absorbed some of Ottens' teachings maybe. very well and you cut, know, it, cut, it, cut his head look like yeah. him a bit. <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think you're, you're spot on there as well. I think there is sort of that. Then, a mongrel in him and he's just not feeling like a full cat yet as, yeah. as i said there's still that maybe we'll maybe we'll you. maybe we'll iron it out yeah interesting too there was a an article i think it was in geelong advertiser i think where um thing but it was sort of about you know, feeling as if he'd let the club down, I think, from the perspective of needing, you know, the surgeries and that sort of thing, and that he hadn't been able to front up, like, day one and sort of be a contributor from from a player coming in. Um, mm. I thought just one more player, uh, I suppose, I wanted to talk about. Oh, there's so many. Um, let's, let's get your thoughts on... Briefly. So, yeah, did you guys have any, I, I sort of spilled, you know, vented my spleen about Selwood and all his glory on the preview pod. So if you guys have any sort of thoughts you want to add in, um, Selwood just on the night. Say, um, good celebration for him. Good, good uh, win. And I really like the, the um, after the game stuff that they did for him. It was really, it felt like a very special night and, Definitely was a special time for the Cats' first player to get to 350, and I thought they um, did it really well and you know made it about Seldon. I thought he really soaked it up for once and felt deserving that he took the time and enjoyed it. So, yeah, I was just very happy that he, he's got there and looked to soak it all in and just enjoy the spotlight and, yeah, shine in it. Yeah, I've gone on a pretty heavy Selwood sort of binge across the week, like trying to make the most of it, I guess, um, watching highlights and any kind of content that's out there about him and obviously did the artwork to kind of pour my my feelings about him out a little bit. So I don't have a lot to say, but like just it's just been really sort of bizarre too and surreal to look at and like have watched his whole career. And like, I guess because the cats are always vying, we're always up there you don't take a lot of time to like reminisce about the glory days. <laughs> We're not a team that, that, you know, made our last finals 20 years ago and you're going to like reminisce about it. So 
yeah, it, it, was, it was just a good opportunity to look back and, and you know, marvel at what a, what a legend he has been and still is. And we've had the privilege of watching the whole thing. You know, I remember all his, you know, his early games right the way through, you know, it's, it, you watch the highlights and it makes you feel old to watch the highlights of 350 games and go, I've seen all these bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't me going, wow, look at those. You know, like they show the highlights of fucking mm. Gary Ablett senior or something. Yeah. And you go, Oh, wow. That's, oh, there's, that's what, that's what he was like. There's Chapman. Oh, there's Carlo. There's all these other most. There's salad with hair. Like long, long yeah. hair, longer hair, like shaggy hair. Yeah. 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 yeah it's just, yeah, I just wish I pulled that up as well. It was just crazy to think that he's missed finals once in his entire career. That's the article that Meg, that Megatron wrote about him is highly recommend. I would highly recommend that. It's very, right. very touching, touching tribute to the very band. touching. It um, it will bring a, a tear for any true cat supporter. And it did to me. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I thought she summed up. Selwood perfectly and everything he does at the club and just what he does mean to the club and what he has, what he will continue to mean to this club and what he's, you know, driven this club to. I don't think the club would be as where it is at the moment if Selwood wasn't there. I think he's a huge driving force behind the success that the Cats have achieved. Absolutely. Um, no denying that. And, Hopefully, um, and the Cats women's uh, are set to, you know, forge their own sort of destiny here as we move into their season um, and the future of that team. All right. I think that's enough. Now, I think we've covered enough points. Tom Stewart obviously slotted back in. Um, like, like I was going to leave Tom Stewart to you, and but maybe I don't know that you still got time to talk about him in the votes, I guess. Um, I I do, but that's oh. why I'm talking about him here because he's not in my votes. Um, he oh, turned up no. and did he's... did Tom Stewart things, so I, I think that's that was encouraging. I will to say, say I I never doubted that that would you know no. not be the case. No doubt from him either. Yeah, I w- I will say I think he's. He went a little less hard. I think you could tell he was somewhat aware of his body weight and what it can do. <laughs> um, but uh, but also like there was a, there was probably three or four moments where I, I think I messaged you guys for one of them and just went like great communication between the dudes. Yeah. Where like and this is something that this team was not so good at even as far back as you know just before this streak we're on at the start of this winning streak that we're on where you would see like two of our players go up for a ball and knock each other out of the way. And, and, you know, the three stooges routine, the amount of times that like Stuart was mid, was mid flight and either it was communication or vision. And he was able to see that someone else was in a better position and he just lower his hands and just sort of fly by and like not grab the ball and just let it go. And it's such a small thing, but that's, it's huge. It's huge to be clicking like that, to come back into the team and have such a good, strong sense of yourself and the, and your teammates around you to, you know, in a, in a millisecond go from, I'm giving this ball like this, putting my all into this and then just, just cutting it and going, no, this isn't the right move right now. This person has it. And that's, it's a really good sign for a, for a, a squad, not just an individual player. Oh, there was those moments you were talking about. Oh, I was like, Oh my God, it's going to yeah. be disastrously. It's, it's when you'd be just like, like, talk boys, talk boys. Yeah. They, they were, so we they were, anything. and it was perfect. The, the favorite one was when it was, Tui, no, not Tui. Tom Stewart. Tui wasn't even playing. Stewart going up, and you could see Zach Guthrie coming in. I was just like, oh no, Mm. they're going to take each other out. They're going to get concussions. We're going to lose them both for a week. And Stewart was (laughs) a lot happens in that moment for you, John. (laughs) Yeah, a lot happened. There was a whole life passed before him. (laughs) Yeah, but then Tommy Stewart obviously heard Zach Guthrie go, "Get the fuck out of the way," and he did. Get the fuck out of the way, Tom. It was fine, and I could uh, stop stressing. <laughs> um, do you, uh, yeah, no, I fully agree. Um, fully agree. I, I, I cast my mind back to that GWS game down at Kidinia Park last year where it felt like every Ford 50 entry from them was four of our guys running into each other, 
rebounding like Skittles <laughs> and some Giants player running into an open goal having grabbed the ball. So like it was nice to see it was like, that communication. It was like bowling. It was like the yeah. football was a bowling ball and the players were pin, um, 10 pins. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's get into some votes. Um, I'm going to knock mine out the way first so I can add yours as we go. I'm giving one vote to Brad Close. 25 pressure act on the night. Three tackles inside 50. That's the second most pressure act for the Cats. It's the most tackles inside 50. Um, Closey also had one goal, three. Could have had an absolute bag. 19 touches, four marks, seven tackles. Seven was second most for the Cats. And two goal assists. Thought his effort on the weekend typified everything great about him this year giving two votes to cam guthrie kicked two goals to himself had a bucket load of disposals um i think had the most clearances on the night for the cats love guthrie because he's that combination of hard midfielder like he i think he won 16 contested possessions out of his 25 or 26 or something and he's also classy as fuck like he's just an elegant player so love everything about him um, I can't go past three votes for Paddy Dangerfield, though. All the reasons we said, P. Diddy with my three. Um, Sambo, what are yours? Oh, I did it last week for Stanley, so I'm allowed to do it this week for Rowan. I <laughs> give <laughs> one, one vote to Rowan for half a game. Um, yep. Because, what a shame. yeah, I feel, I, I feel, I feel like... More than half a game, three quarters. Well, it was two, two and a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, he, he, was, he was in the room yeah, for yeah, fucking yeah. 12, 12 minutes. What? Sorry. Sorry, my fault. <laughs> that's, that's right, John. That's fine. You're, you're allowed one of those. Uh, <laughs> two now. <laughs> um, he was... Um, and I, I think he, you know, two goals, a lot of... Um, a lot of off-the-ball work, as we come to expect from him. Some great, hard tackles. Uh, but also, I think he was one of the few that seemed on when the rest of us weren't. Like, I think he was working in that first quarter um, to make an impact, even even when there was, yeah, we had literally zero momentum. Um, and the fact that he's probably going to miss next week as well, um, I, I felt like I wanted to re- reward his effort. So a vote there. Uh, I'm giving two votes to Close and three votes to PDD. So nice. Two I'm giving... One vote to Brian Myers. I haven't given him many votes lately, or I don't think he has been in the votes lately, but I thought it was a, you know, the last few weeks he's been playing really good, consistent footy, as I said, and I really enjoyed his game on Saturday night. Got into good positions, got some pressure access, he's brought up there, and kicked a really nice goal. Uh, two votes are going to Brad close as well I thought, you know sensational game by him good uh good goal for his birthday as well which is always a nice way to celebrate and my three votes are also going to patrick dangerfield for just a sensational evening yeah big big night for p diddy uh so many guys like who could have been in um Atkins was on the fringe for yeah. me. Yeah, Atkins on the fringe. Blixarves was on the fringe for me. Stengel, didn't get to talk about it. Like, Stengel, um, silk. He's just absolute mm. silk. The way he can hit a, a bouncing footy or a rolling footy at full speed, not break speed, and just grab it on the go, he's amazing. Um, and his he's, he's snap, like his turnaround snap back at delivery inside 50 is phenomenal every time. Um, I'm pretty sure so, people say it's one of the best kicks inside 50 going around. And, and, and college Jasny as well, I thought, had a great yeah. night. Yeah. yeah that whole defensive unit was solid after that first quarter. They really mm. got their structure together. Yeah, no, Collar was um, impressive. I was just seeing if I could find... Um, Oh, yeah, so I had a tweet about it. He went at 91% disposal efficiency, including 100% by foot, faced three contested defensive one-on-ones, which was most of any player on the ground, and he won two of them. Wasn't a vote-getting performance, but I thought he played his his role pretty well. Um, Well, that's it for the votes this week. It means Tom Atkins still out in front on 48. 
Um, Blixards in second with 44. Jeremy Cameron in third with 34. Selwood in fourth with 31. Tommy Stewart in fifth with 27. But Dangerfield has now cracked the 20-vote mark. He is on 20 after gathering nine votes on the weekend. And that, chaps, is us done for another recap show here. As we said off the top, if you like this podcast, please consider us um, giving us a share on Facebook, on Twitter, with your friends by word of mouth. Go on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and give us a five-star review. And remember, if you do a five-star review, take a little screen cap of it and tweet it at us uh, on Twitter or inbox us on you know Instagram or whatever so that we can put you in the draw, which we will be doing on next Monday night's show. You can win the book Comeback by James Button plus some footy cards and whatever else we can think of throwing in. Um, maybe like a fuel voucher, given how fuel is. We're still doing fuel jokes. We're still doing petrol price jokes. Um, <laughs> it's a joke that, joke that keeps giving. It's got a lot of <laughs> mileage on that joke. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Uh, re- real quick, gents. Uh, you really rolled yes. that one. Do do the do the dogs do the dogs make the eight next week? I said they were going to make the eight, and then Richmond fucking choked. Uh, so it might take them might take them to the the following week. What do you reckon? No, I, I, oh, oh, I don't oh, know if they got so Brisbane. They play Oh yeah, no, I was with you. I, no, um, no, the Brisbane choke. I think I said I think I said Richmond choke, but I, yeah. I don't know if they make it um, this week, but they're in by the end of the season. Got five seconds, John. So. Yes or no? Yes, they'll be in by the end of the season. St Kilda's not going to win anymore. Right? No. Go Cats! And St Kilda, St Kilda's percentage is going to be fucked next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Go Cats.